Hello and welcome, everybody. My name is Corey Branson of CITR Sports, broadcasting live from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9 FM, always keeping you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news and stories. You heard me right, it is just me in the booth today. Jake McGrail is in Ontario. Diana Hong has a figure skating competition. Mike Liu is working hard prepping for the football team. They're now a playoff team, so he has a lot more work to do. Just me, happy to carry the torch for today. Happy reading week to everybody as well. Hopefully you're enjoying your time off of class. Additionally, another change for this week. You might notice we are starting at 11.15 instead of 11.30. We have an extra 15 minutes in our time slot which we are very appreciative of, gives us a chance to use utilize that buffer time, talk a bit more, go into the deeper details about some of the sports, the statistics that we love. So for today's show, there's some championships for us to report on. Our men's soccer team and our women's rowing team, they both won titles this past weekend. Congratulations to them. Elsewhere, women's soccer and men's rowing, they won silver medals. Basketball and men's rugby, they had solid weekends, no championships to report on there, uh, but still positive play. And football, they had a fantastic weekend as they, as I mentioned, clinched a playoff spot. Got some swimming to talk about as well in there. And then after I recap all of that, we do have an interview for you. Yesterday, Mike Liu, he did sit down with Jacob Bossy of the men's rugby team to discuss his time at UBC and how the new Coastal Cup has changed things for the team. But before we get into that, we are going to talk some soccer. As I mentioned, the men's team had a banner weekend. They took down both Mount Royal and Victoria in the Final Four to win their fourth straight Canada West Championship. Congratulations. The semifinal against the Cougars, this one was scoreless through 90 minutes. Um, pretty much par for the course for our men's team. They had a lot of draws this year, uh, so playing scoreless through the 90, not too unexpected. That meant they played extra time, of course, as it's the playoffs. And the two keepers in this one, up to the extra time, they combined to make 17 saves. Uh, so it's not to say that the offense wasn't generating chances on both sides, uh, but the goalkeepers both stood on their heads. Jackson Farmer was the hero for UBC in this one. He scored the only goal of the game in the 102nd minute, his second goal of the playoffs, after scoring just one in the regular season. So he certainly knows how to score when it counts. This was a game with a lot of back and forth. Despite the final score being so low, shot count was actually 21 to 16. We talked about all those saves uh, when you include attempted shots, ones that went wide. Uh, a lot of offensive output coming from both teams with the 37 combined shots. Thunderbirds goalie Bennett McKay, he made 10 of those 17 saves. Um, so a fantastic outing for him. After the semifinal against Mount Royal, UBC took on Victoria in the gold medal game. It was another gritty 1-0 win. Sebastian pardon me, Zikowski opened the scoring for the Thunderbirds in the 28th minute, and that was the only goal that this game had in it. The first half was pretty even in this one uh, in terms of chances generated. Um, UBC, of course, when it mattered, they got the goal on the board, but otherwise both teams were going up and down the field, really pressuring the other team's defenses. Second half, though, totally different story. The Vikes understanding that they needed to come from behind. Um, they started to dominate the Thunderbirds, outshot them 7-0 in the final 45 minutes. Uh, McKay, though, again, stood strong, made five saves, and the UBC defense held on for the win. 
This is now UBC's fourth straight gold medal, as we talked about. They're sixth in the last 10 seasons, and arguably you could call this one a surprising one. Uh, I mentioned that the UBC team, they had a lot of draws this year, and it didn't really look like their offense was clicking all the time. Sometimes they had some defensive lapses. They certainly didn't look like a team that was going to run away with the Canada West Championships, but... They came up clutch in this. Uh, they really figured it out as it came to the playoff games. Their defense and uh, the goalkeeping really solidified, uh, did not allow any goals in the final four as we talked about. So a fantastic showing for them and congratulations again for putting another banner up in the rafters. For the women's team, it was not quite a perfect weekend. It was the second straight year that they lost in the Canada West final. Finishing with a silver medal, it ain't bad, um, but expectations were high for this team coming into the year, so they will definitely be a little bit disappointed with that result. Their semifinal matchup was against the McEwen Griffins. This was another game that was close all the way through. Shots were 10-9 for UBC on the night, and up until the final five minutes, the score remained nil-nil. It was the Thunderbirds, though, who found the breakthrough as Tess McRae scored in the 87th minute, and then Danielle Steer, we've been calling her name a lot on this show, she scored her 18th goal of the season in extra time, or added time, that is, to seal the win. That meant that 2-0 victory got UBC into the final against their old rivals, Trinity Western. They are the top two ranked teams in Canada West this season, so no surprises there that they ended up representing the conference in the final. Unlike the men's games, this was a really cagey affair. Very few chances, defenses held strong, fell back quite easily, and the offenses were not able to penetrate as often as they would like. The two teams only combined for five shots on target throughout the entire game, uh, and just like the semifinal, the game remained scoreless until very, very late. Unfortunately, then, it was the Thunderbirds who were on the losing side of a late goal. The Spartans' Catherine Harvey scored in the 88th minute to win the championship. It was a heartbreaker for UBC, and for the Spartans, that was their third title in the last four years. Of course, the season's not over for either our men's or women's teams. Uh, they are now both looking forward to the national championship tournaments, which will take place between November 18th to 21st. Men's tournament will be in Ottawa, while the women's will be in Sydney, Nova Scotia. So we'll be looking forward to that and cheering on our Thunderbirds, of course. Transitioning now, we're going to talk about basketball. No championships for those teams this weekend, just the beginning of their seasons, but some pretty solid results. We'll start talking about the women's team first. And I would say that pretty soon the Thunderbirds are going to have to put those health and safety signs from amusement parks outside the gymnasium when the women's team is playing because I feel like nobody with a heart condition should be watching these games. There was two crushing home losses to open the season and then UBC followed the trend this past weekend. They were playing UFV in a two-game series and UBC treated fans at the War Memorial Gym to two more nail biters. The first game was a one-point victory that came down to a shot attempt in the final seconds, and the second was a loss in double overtime. Talking about game one, though, Jake and I were there. We were in the booth commentating for that one. Had a lot of fun. It was not the highest scoring game that we've ever seen, but it was really exciting. Um, the big aspect of that was how tight the teams kept this. After the Cascades rushed out to an early 14-0 lead, the Thunderbirds went on a run of their own. They nodded things up a little bit. And then for the remainder of the game, things stayed pretty much squared up. No team was able to get a really large advantage moving forward. UBC, in fact, they didn't lead in the game until the beginning of the fourth quarter mostly thanks to their ineffective shooting from beyond the arc. In the first half, the team made zero three-point shots. That definitely crippled them coming up against UFV, especially with how well they were shooting from that distance. 
Kate Johnson, she was the hero for the Thunderbirds in this one. She took control of the offense in the second half and made plenty of athletic de-splitting runs for scores. Uh, she was fantastic, piercing through the defense night, uh, the entire night through. Every time she finished with 19 points, five rebounds, and three steals. UBC as a team, they had only four assists in this game. Kind of strange. And half of those belonged to Johnson, as she had two. Azalea Forsbauer had 11 points. And friend of the show, Olivia Weeks, she had eight rebounds. But they were really the only other major contributions from the T-Birds. It was a war of attrition in this one. So not a lot of players able to put up really meaningful stats. Haley Council, she's been so dynamic in the season so far. Last, uh, the weekend before this, she put up a couple 20-point games. In this one, she had only two points, and those were on free throws. She shot 0 for 11 from the field. Very uncharacteristic night for her. But it was sort of mirrored by what UFV was doing. Defense was really key for the Thunderbirds in this one because UFV, they have this 17-year-old prodigy. Her name is Julia Tuxerer. Uh, she is daughter of the coach, Al Tuxerer. She had zero points in this one after putting up 25 in her previous game. That was mostly because she ran into some foul trouble early. She had to be taken off quite a bit. It really threw off the Cascades' rhythm because they're a team that plays with a short bench. The slack, though, was picked up by Maddie Gobey. I mentioned the fact that the Cascades shot really well from beyond the arc. She did most of that damage. She scored 20 points for the Cascades, most of them coming in the first half, uh, but her effort then did fall just short. The final score ended up being 60-59. to Game two, this one saw a bit less of a balanced contest. There was a large deficit at halftime. The Cascades led the Birds at that point, 34-23. to UBC, though, not going to go quietly. They fought back in the third quarter, they fought back in the fourth quarter, and then they fought back in the first overtime, too, before UFE finally pulled away in double overtime, 71-64. This one was a really gritty win for the Cascades. They were without Gobel after, or sorry, Gobey after she picked up an injury in Game 1. Deanna Tuxer, Julia's sister, also daughter of the coach, she filled in admirably. She had 30 points in this one, 10 rebounds as well. Great double-double for her. She led both teams in both of those categories. Uh, on the Thunderbird side, Haley Council, she did return to form, which was nice to see. She had 22 points, 5 rebounds, and Johnson continued to stay pretty hot. Scored 12 points, 7 boards, 6 assists, so a nice all-around performance from her. At least looking at those stats, the one thing that was sort of her Achilles heel when you dive into it a little bit deeper. And this is an understandable thing because she did take the team on her back in Game 1, but she shot 3 of 19 from the field in Game 2. Felt like she was really forcing it in that one, and it didn't pay off in terms of the number of buckets that she made. So hopefully UBC will be able to spread it out a little bit more, get some more efficient shooting from all of their starters and bench players as well. After this weekend, Erin McAleenan, she does have her first win as head coach of the women's program. Nice to get that monkey off her back. But it is a 1-3 start for this team. They did have four home games, and that's the record they've come away with. It doesn't really inspire a ton of confidence. The team, they're not going to give up. Of course, they'll try to rekindle that fire this weekend. They're going on the road to take on the heat of our sister school, UBCO. Talking about the men's team, stress has been relatively low for them. The team has managed a slew of comfortable victories on their way to 4-0. Their games against the Cascades were a bit tighter than those on opening weekend, but wins of 70-64 and 80-72, they're nothing to fret over, especially when you're comparing that to the razor's edge performances that the women's team has been putting forth. 
the opener in this one, it wasn't pretty. That's how head coach Kevin Hansen described it. But the T-Birds got it done, even without firing on every cylinder. What was a tight affair at halftime broke open somewhat in the third. And though the Cascades attempted to mount a comeback after UBC shot fourth, they never did lead in the fourth quarter. James Woods was the catalyst for the Thunderbirds as he scored all of his 20 points in the second half. Grant Audu, he played second fiddle, and he played the role pretty much to perfection. He had 15 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Great performance from him. This was also the, the Sukman-Sandu revenge game. Sandu used to play with the Cascades, but he's now donning the blue and gold. He came off the bench in this one, and he came off hungry. He finished second to Woods in points with 18 he may have come out a bit too hungry, perhaps. Uh, he did foul out before this one finished, uh, but it was nice to see him bring that much energy to the court playing against his former team. Victor, he did all he could for the Cascades. He had 18 points of his own and 10 rebounds for the double-double. Bench points proved to be pivotal. However, the Cascades backups combined for less than Sandu alone contributed. So the starters not able to pick up that slack, and that's why UBC was victorious. Game two, this was an affair marked by real pendulum swings and momentum. At halftime, UBC led by nine. It looked like it was going to be comfortable. They might run away with it. Then UFV had an incredible third quarter, 10-point advantage going into the fourth. They outscored the Thunderbirds 28-9 to in the third, completely flipped the script. And then after all of that, the Thunderbirds still won by eight points. They had a fantastic fourth quarter. So plenty of momentum swings in this one, a really entertaining game to watch. It was the same big three that carried the torch for the Thunderbirds. Woods was in the pole position once again. He knocked down 22 points, uh, though nine of those coming in the fourth quarter. He also had seven rebounds and four assists. Audu, similarly clutch in this one, uh, put up 10 points out of 17 in the fourth quarter, saved all the scoring for the end of the game. Sandu, he did start in this one, didn't have to come off the bench. His dominant form continued, though. He double-doubled 16 points and 11 rebounds. Jack Cruz Dumont, he's not a spotlight grabber that often. He was still a key piece in this one. He led the Thunderbirds with five assists, so good for him. Siraj Gahir, he led the Cascades in points. He had 17. Tour didn't play quite as well, but he still had seven assists. And Dario Lopez, he had a team leading seven rebounds for the UFV Cascades. The Thunderbird men team will follow the women to Kelowna. They look to keep the good times rolling against the Heat, and this will also be their first road trip of the season. Trying to extend that winning streak starting the season four and oh. Now we get to talk about football. I'm very excited about this. Speaking of pendulum swings, that's sort of how our energy has shifted on this show from week to week. After they had a couple wins in the middle of the season, we were riding the Thunderbirds train. We thought they were destined for the playoffs. We were so ready for this party. The bandwagon was open and accepting as many people as it could. And then after a brutal loss last weekend on the road, the hype train really halted in its tracks. We stopped uh, we stopped sharing our predictions about this team going to the playoffs. We tried to temper our expectations, and then they bounced back. This weekend, they don't like doing anything easy on the gridiron, but they got the job done in the end on the Saturday game. They topped the Alberta Golden Bears 30-27, to and that clinched them a spot in the playoffs. The bandwagon is open again, folks. It was actually in this one, the Bears, that struck first in the contest Running back Matthew Peterson punched in a touchdown just under four minutes into the first quarter. 
UBC responded with a field goal just a couple minutes later with Owen Brown putting one between the posts from 27 yards out. This was the first game of the season for the kicker. So good job not uh, succumbing to the yips early on. T-Birds found their groove in the second quarter. First off, you had a Trey Kellogg passing TD. Uh, he caught a silky smooth Garrett Rooker pass in the end zone, gave the home team their first lead of the game. Alberta responded with a field goal, but then Isaiah Knight made sure that the Thunderbirds headed to the break with a seven-point lead, dancing through a gap for a beautiful 44-yard run. Coming out of the half, it was Knight rushing into the end zone yet again. He had a four-yard score to give UBC a commanding 24-13 advantage by the end of the third quarter. But of course, what is a UBC football game without some high blood pressure inducing moments? They've been taking lessons from the women's basketball team, actually. After Brown tacked on another three points, it was the Bears who scored two TDs in the fourth quarter to pull even at 27, courtesy of QB Brad Lonhart and receiver Jonathan Rosary. The game looked set to head to overtime as yet another Thunderbird drive fizzled out. However, when Jack Rabb punted the ball downfield, the Alberta special teams unit had themselves uh, a troubling moment as they fumbled the punt. Robert Lutman of UBC was the first man on the ball, diving onto it and securing another UBC possession. That, of course, set up the game-winning field goal as Brown punched his third field goal of the game with just over a minute left. Though the Bears tried to get downfield, a huge pick by Eric Dika Balatoken with 45 seconds left on the clock sealed the deal. With his two rushing touchdowns and 147 yards of offense, Isaiah Knight hauled home a well-deserved Canada West Offensive Player of the Week award for Owen Brown with the biggest kick of his life in his first game as a Thunderbird. He too earned Canada West Special Teams Player of the Week honors. Congratulations to both of those guys. And the cherry on top, the Calgary Dinos, they lost the same day. That means the T-Birds locked down the fourth and final place in the Canada West playoffs with their win. It won't be easy. They're going to have to take on Saskatchewan, who are a fantastic team. They're going to be playing on the road, of course, as the fourth seed in the Hardy Cup semifinals. But honestly, after how this season started, this is a fantastic outcome for the Thunderbirds. And who knows? Maybe they can cook up a little bit more magic on the road this weekend. We've been talking about championships on this show a little bit with our men's and women's soccer teams. You would think that we'd be talking about championships when it comes to our swimming teams as well, but it wasn't their perfect form that they displayed in their most recent meet. This was the first time this fall that our swim teams had an official meet. It was the Audlin Brown Colleges Cup. The men's team, they dominated, uh, but the women's team finished second in a close battle. Now, we talk a lot about high standards on this show and how we hold our Thunderbird athletes uh, to quite high bars when they are performing for us. The swimming team, they're sort of the gold standard as it comes. They have been so dominant over the last 10 years and honestly throughout their history with the number of championships that they have won. So when you look at it from a neutral perspective, you see a first place and a second place. That doesn't look that bad, but this was actually the first time since 2014 that both teams from UBC did not win both competitions at this event, the Audlin Brown Colleges Cup. So it's not bad. I'm not about to throw in the towel for this swimming team, but it's definitely a change of form from a team that we've expected to be so routinely dominant over the years. Not sure if it had something to do with the break from the pandemic or anything like that, but an interesting development to say the least. On the men's side, team finished with a total of 1,319 and a half points. That was 300 points ahead of second place Calgary. 
no issues for them in replicating that success from years past. The women's team, though, they finished with 995 points. That was 12 and a half points behind the Dinos. Again, it's not a huge deficit that they were facing, especially compared to the first and second place gap on the men's side. But still, a second place finish for them. Unfortunately, we don't have any individual results from this event. We know the total point totals. Uh, we know the events that were swam. Uh, but at, to this point, there is no recap posted that tells us which swimmers did what. So we just have to take the holistic results and work with those. Next up for our swim teams, they do have the Canada West Championships. Those begin on November 26th. You would expect UBC, even though they didn't win both of these competitions, to return to form in some sense and dominate that competition. But we will see. We'll tune in and we will share the news with you once we find out how they did. Our second successful championship to talk about on this show, the Canadian University Rowing Championships. They took place at Brock University on the weekend and the women's team won their third consecutive title. The men's team, unfortunately, they had their streak of four straight national championships snapped as they finished in second. It's unfortunate. We're seeing a lot of streaks snapped. We're seeing a lot of trends fail to continue, especially on the winning side for the Thunderbirds. Again, maybe it's that pandemic influence. The rosters for these teams have gone through so much turnover in the two years since consistent competition. That's got to have something to do with it. But on the other hand, a rising tide lifts all boats, as they say. If the rest of Canada West is starting to pick it up in some of these sports that UBC has traditionally dominated then that's fantastic for the Thunderbirds. That'll make them compete harder. That'll make our athletes develop better. It can only reap positive rewards. Now, the women's team, they did succeed. They medaled in all six events that they competed in. They had two golds, three silvers, and a bronze. They ended up with a total of 114 points. That was 10 ahead of second place Victoria. The team, that included Jessica Sevek, who competed for Canada at the Tokyo Olympics this past summer. There were Olympians on many of the teams out there at these university rowing championships, so that was nice to see these athletes continuing to race for their schools. The UBC men's team, they won gold in three of the six events, but it was the other three that really let them down. They did get another bronze, but they failed to medal in the two other events, and that allowed Victoria to win the championship. They had an eight-point lead over the Thunderbirds, who finished with 106 points. The Vikes just a little bit more consistent uh, in the events that they didn't win. Despite the silver medal finish, Liam Smith of UBC, he was named Male Rower of the Year. So congratulations to him. He had a fantastic effort. Next up, we will talk about men's rugby. A nice sort of segue into the interview that we have later on in this show. The men's rugby team traveled out to Burnaby Lake, taking on the Van East Rugby Club in their penultimate match of the Coastal Cup this past Saturday. Unfortunately, due to the weather conditions, there was no live stream. Uh, try setting up a camera in a tornado, then get back to me, <laughs> is the note that we put in the script for that one. That weather was crazy over the weekend, huh? Understandable that the broadcast crew was not able to put that together. There wasn't a scoring sheet that was made available, but what we can tell you is that UBC prevailed 35-7, to so fantastic for them. That pushes their record to 3-1-1 one one in Coastal Cup competition, good enough for third place in the table. They'll be looking to close out their cup campaign on a high note as they travel to the island to take on the Crimson Tide. Alrighty. That's everything that we had to cover from this past weekend. It's a lot when it's just one person talking about it. I never realized. But a fun time regardless. We are going to have that interview that I promised 
coming up really soon here. As I mentioned, Michael Liu talking with Jacob Bossy of that men's rugby team. But before we get to that, we are going to run some ads and PSAs for a couple minutes. But please stay tuned. The haunting debut album Black Moon by Civic TV provides a cinematic backdrop, a modern-day symphony of the dark and light that is our collective reality. Take a listen to Black Moon, now available via Flemish Eye Records and on all streaming platforms. Celebrating human ingenuity, resilience, and grit. Tell a Story Hive's Game Changers Documentary Edition is here. Calling all local emerging filmmakers in BC and Alberta. Story Hive is offering 30 grants of $20,000 each to capture stories of local game changers that are making their community a better place. Send in your application to storyhive.com apply by November 10th. If you have a story to share, we want to hear from you. Looking to get a reliable and affordable used bike? Need a repair or service to your current ride? Come to the Bike Kitchen, UBC's full-service community bike shop, located in room 36 of the UBC Life Building. Our hours are Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. If you buy a bike from us, bring it back when you're done using it and we'll give you half of your money back as long as you took care of it. If it needs repairs, we'll split the cost with you. Yep, you heard us right. We'll give you crisp dollar bills for half the original price of any used bike that you buy from us, minus the cost of repairs. For more information about our buyback policy and to stay up to date on any COVID-19 inspired changes, find us online at thebikekitchen.com. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for listening through our ad break. Now, we're going to have that interview that I promised Michael Lou sitting down with Jacob uh, Bossy of the men's rugby team. Almost forgot his name for a second there. Uh, they had a fantastic interview. Please listen in. My name is Michael Liu, and today I'm joined by UBC men's rugby first team hooker and third year kinesiology student, Jacob Bossy. Welcome to the show, Jacob. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. Can you, uh, just before we get all this started, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. So as you said, my name is Jacob Bossy. Uh, I'm originally from the island, um, coming out of Machosan, Victoria, BC. And um, uh, I moved here uh, around three years ago to start my kinesiology program uh, at UBC, which is, has been going really, really well. And um, uh, rugby's my sport. It's, you know, how I like to play. <laughs> and, uh, I've, uh, I've uh, been included in under 18 Canada teams, under 20 Canada teams, BC rugby teams, kind of everything that you can get your hands on. I've, I've most likely done it. And uh, like you said, now I'm on the firsts and uh, looking to progress throughout the, throughout the season here. So. 
glad to hear it. And yeah, we're going to go springboard right off of that. It's been a long-awaited return to the pitch for you and our UBC men's rugby team after the pandemic hit. Obviously, there wasn't much opportunity to get back into action. Uh, kind of just wanted to know what it's been like, what this past year's look really looked like, and how your first couple months back in the competitive season has really has been. So, kicking it off with the first question, uh, just what sorts of impact did the COVID uh, pandemic have on you personally? I mean, I know that you've trained with the Canadian Development Academy on the island, but I mean, just sort of what, what sort of things did it really force you to do uh, to try and keep up with your rugby career? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I was, I was pretty lucky being in, uh, Victoria and being in Canada, like a really safe place. So I had, I was safe. My family was safe. So I, I didn't have to worry about that, which is, you know, not what a lot of people can say, you know, across the world, but in terms of actual sport, it became very difficult because you were training and training and training and training. Um, in my case, I was able to train at the Pacific pride, uh, Academy, and I was able to train and, and keep working, but you didn't really have a game to look forward to. There was no real goal. It was just really training for the sake of training, which was good for, it was a year off season. I fixed a lot of things that, uh, that was wrong with my body um, and really just started to, started to progress well. And that, that bled well into the, with, into the UBC season, but it was tough from, from not being able to play and not being able to compete because this is a sport that, you know, really at the base of everything that it is, it's uh, on competition and on playing against others and having that bit of camaraderie and, and, and team, which I still experienced uh, within the academy, but I really wanted to get back uh, to those full games. So it was tough, but it provided that long off season. That was, that was nice. That was nice to go in and, and uh, really develop. For sure. And I mean, the development sh- should have helped. And obviously with the this year, UBC returning to in-person, you yourself have returned to UBC, uh, uh, the rugby team here, and trained with them. And sort of, how's that gone? How's the return to the varsity schedule? And with <laughs> with how the years transpired, I mean... Um, you, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been great. Like, we... We, we all came, came together, like the boys have been training um, over the summer together, but I just came in um, in September and we really just started to develop uh, a good team culture and a good sense of camaraderie and just being able to go and play at that high level within the Coastal Cup has been just, just so, so great because it allows us to work on ourselves and develop and look forward to nationals and all that. But the boys came together. We started to build. We had a couple of rough games uh, at the start, just trying to figure out, you know, who we were and what we wanted to be. And then as the seasons progressed, we we started to pick up wins more frequently. And now we're becoming a very, very strong team with a a pretty good identity of what we are and, you know, what we're going to be in the next bit. So that was really good to just go and be around that that varsity uh, environment and just hang out with the boys and have a (laughs) Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can we can t- definitely see how you guys have been developing each and every game uh, you've played. But um, another thing I wanted to ask was, I mean, obviously with the year, you've had some graduations. I mean, it, it might have just been your first year and then all of a sudden your second year was a break and now you're in your third. 
but I, I just wanted to ask, I mean, has it been sort of just trying to integrate with new teammates sort of uh, because of just that gap and with some pretty, some changes within the team? Yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's pretty funny actually, because you go into that with, with COVID and you kind of feel like you just skip to the future. Like that year doesn't really <laughs> feel like a year. So I come in as a rookie as a first year and then cut to I'm a third year veteran on the team. And that I just, I just don't feel along those lines yet. Like, I'm like, how did this happen so quickly? Um, but no, I think, I think like generally in the program, I think it's been really, really good. I think older guys have been working well with younger guys. We're just trying to foster a good culture um, building forward and, and, and building up to the next parts of the season. Cause that's what's important, right? You got to know who those guys on the thirds are in the seconds, because those guys you'll be playing with them in, probably a couple of years or, or whatever it is so I thought that was great yeah for sure I mean like <laughs> it does feel that time is pretty relative it still it still feels like this thing's never gonna end but you know what can you really do with that yeah you just um, let him accept it and roll with it yeah absolutely <laughs> but yeah I mean now you're really getting back into reg- uh, back into a regular regular season for once um does it feel like normal or is it something feel different well, there's always that, you know, in the background, like, oh, there's still a pan- pandemic. This is this is still a big issue that uh, that's happening. But, you know, with all the vaccines and whatnot, there's a little bit more freedom, I would say. And in rugby, it feels about as close as it's been to, you know, uh, pre-pandemic. So I, I feel like we're slowly getting back to that position where we can, you know, have social gatherings and and have these big rugby games and whatnot with without a ton of restrictions, which is just a, a tribute to, you know, whatever our health advisors and everything that's happening and the university as a whole to let us do that. Yeah, I mean, it's been great to see. And honestly, I've, the crowds you guys have been getting have been very, very encouraging to see. And I just can't wait. Once yeah, they've been great. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps with home field advantage, right? That's what exactly. you need. Exactly, yeah. No, no. Yeah, well, uh, there's also how... So coming into this season, UBC's uh, participation in the Coastal Cup, like you've mentioned, was one of the headliners. I mean, sort of the infrastructure just sort of got set up, like almost out of the blue. And I mean, yeah. coming, well, what sort of experience does the competition bring? Like how was, how was it different than what uh, your first year was like? Yeah, so uh, this was my first year, you know, playing on the premierships um, because of that big break. I, I hadn't <laughs> had a lot of game time. Sure. But the Coastal Cup is was probably one of the best things that's happened to BC Rugby because what it does is it brings together all these little clubs or, well, I would say little, but all these clubs, they bring them together and they make these these top of, of their region teams, right? That they can compete at a high level. They have a lot of guys. They have good, you know, good coaching and everything. And that high level of, of rugby is amazing to be a part of. Like, us as, as a university team being able to compete against um, a rep or, uh, like a representative men's team is just so good for our development because we'll take all these difficult games against physical sides and go and um, go to nationals uh, coming this late November and we'll be able to make some really good strides so I think it's been I think it's been amazing bringing teams together and having that high lo- higher level of competition has just been it's been great. Sure. And getting into a little bit of the nitty gritty about that. I mean, 
with rep teams being part of the Coastal Cup, I mean, what are the what are some of the big differences you've observed from playing some like ex UBC, UBC, UVic, TWU grads versus playing just your normal university competition like UVic, like TWU? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a different style, right? Like these guys are extremely experienced. They're very strong. They're great up front. And then with the university teams, they're a little, they're a little faster. They can get to the edge and, and, you know, work outside a little bit more. So it really just comes down to that type of style that you'll have to match them. We know when we're going to go play, say, Van East, they're going to be a physical side. They're going to try to match us up front. So we'll have to maybe look to go to the edges a little bit more, playing a little bit more running rugby when we play against a team like UVic who are really good at getting to those open spaces, we might want to keep it a little tighter and, you know, work on our forward play a little bit more. So in a, so in a sense, it uh, creates just, it enforces you guys to adapt then, right? For each and every individual opponent. And it, I, I almost want to say that this would help prepare you for all the level of competition you'd be facing at nationals. Am I wrong in saying mm-hmm. that? No, you're hundred percent right. We, we look, we don't look at the next game or the game in three weeks. We look at the game that we're going to play this weekend, what that team brings, what they don't bring, their weaknesses, their strengths, so we can go in and uh, adapt to that team. So it's been great because every single weekend you have a new challenge that has new different objectives that you need to you need to make or whatever. And it's, it's really, really, really effective at building us up and, and getting us ready for when we play back-to-back games against Concordia, well, whatever, whatever you have. So it's going to be great. Yeah. And like springboarding right off of that, I mean, Nationals, they're right around the corner. And with, I, I believe you guys secured uh, the berth like way back when, when you played against UVic, TW finished top two among the U, uh, university teams in the Coastal Cup. But, I mean, hey, what are the atmosphere, the vibes surrounding the team as we're really drawing close to a major competition? Well, right now we're just focusing week on week on how we're going to play against these teams coming up. But because this is our last Coastal Cup game, we are just looking to build up and really start to get to a position where we can compete at the highest level and win a championship uh, for the university. Because that's going to be that's going to be huge for us. Yeah, and with nationals taking a place at Queens, I mean, <laughs> it's probably the furthest that you've traveled in a very very long time. Uh, <laughs> obviously, with the pandemic and everything, but um, with the Coastal Cup, it's also afforded you the opportunity to play home and away games once again. And even though they're pretty like local, I mean, is that something that sort of helped you? prepare just mentally for um just a long distance travel basically across the country 100 percent um around two weeks ago we went and played the uh pacific rugby academy the, the pride and we had to go to port alberni so we had quite a bit of a tour actually a good five hour drive or whatever it was <laughs> and um and that kind of helped to kind of get in that mindset because it is differencing different like you said like when you're when you're traveling and you're moving from place to place, it, it can get a little bit, you forget about why you're there sometimes, but being able to do that, we can snap back on and uh, really focus about it. And it will be tough playing out in the winter. And uh, in an in actual the, winter with snow. In, in the extreme <laughs> holds of, uh, of Queens, awesome university, but we're, we're going to be ready for the challenge because we've had those little, you know, excursions here and there. For sure. And just what are some personal goals for you? And maybe if you can, if you have any, just shed some light on some team goals as 
your season i mean your season's still like very much in its infancy we're only like three months in so i mean just what are some personal team goals you have um i would say to win every game really (laughs) just to start off you know um but really like i said it's just about consistently developing and building our 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 team skills and our chemistry between guys um because you know after this last game of coastal cup and going to university then we start premiership uh coming back so we would want to win right right now as it stands uh we are i believe three and one with a tie one three one and one uh so we'd like to bring that up to four one and one um (laughs) Uh, against tied this week and then from there we want to win nationals and then you know we have bigger goals which are to win nationals uh and then to win the the premiership league and then to win rosenfeld cup or whatever it is between uvic and uh but then we have littler goals like accomplishing you know a certain drill in practice or you know showing up to lifts on time and being effective um so like we have our big goals we all know where we stand and it's just about building through those small goals during the week and during the next coming months yeah i mean it's the little things that build you up into well hopefully national champions in na- national champions in the coming weeks exactly uh yeah i mean hey do you have anything to add um just about maybe coming out to support i don't know just anything about usp rugby you want to give a plug shout out anything you'd like uh yeah no if if you're if you're um next semester if you're in town and and you want to come see some good rugby make sure to check out uh the ubc uh uh, men's rugby instagram for all the times and roster selections and all that and yeah it's going to be a good next uh next bit of the season so thanks for having me mike i appreciate it of course i mean like thanks again for joining me of again follow the men's rugby team twitter instagram basically on any social media just to stay up to date what they're up to they're always they're always up to something from what I've been told. So always got something going. <laughs> That's for truth. sure. And I mean, this is Jacob Bossy, one of uh, one of the most exciting young talents on the UBC men's rugby team. And it, this has been me, Michael Liu. I'm going to throw it back to the booth. And thank you, Mike, for putting that interview together before we head off the air here, folks. As we always do, just a quick refresher of what sports are happening for your Thunderbirds this weekend. The big one today is the U-Sports Women's Rugby National Championships, and UBC is playing at 4.30. They play the hosts of the tournament, Queens. Uh, so tune into that if you're interested. If they win, semis are on Friday, and then the finals are on Sunday. They do have consolation matches as well if they do not come out victorious. Then... After that, on Friday, uh, the basketball teams are playing the Heat, as we mentioned, in Kelowna. And volleyball is back. Uh, Both the men's and women's teams will be hosting the UFE Cascades on Friday and Saturday. Basketball teams playing the Heat again on Saturday as well. And then you have the football playoff game that day at 11 a.m. That is in Saskatoon as the Thunderbirds go to play the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. That's pretty much everything until next Tuesday. As we talked about, there is a warm-up for the cross-country team as they prepare for their national championship. It is the Thunderbirds Endurance Meet, of course, right here in Vancouver. That will do it for the recap of what sports are coming up. With that, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9 FM. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news and stories is to follow us on Twitter, 
Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All of those are at CITR Sports. Next up on CITR is the Shakespeare Show. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Corey Branson with contributions from Jake McGrail and Mike Liu. Thank you all for tuning in and have a great rest of your day.